Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Well, a pleasant afternoon and welcome to everybody to the Water Zone Show. I'm Rob Starr along with Mr. Chris Davies and we are the host of the Water Zone. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy day or the end of the day to tune us in and listen to what's happening about water all over the place. And as we try to make a splash with uh, good news, which we have good people for that. And uh, But Mr. Chris Davies, how are you doing this week? Did you have a good Memorial hey, Day? Uh, pleasant good afternoon. A pleasant good afternoon to you as well, Rob. I'm doing great, thank you. Did you have a great and uh, safe uh, holiday weekend? I did. You know, it was kind of uh, overcast and, and unusually cold and chilly down here in Southern California. I don't think the sun came out but for about 20 minutes all the the entire three-day weekend. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> It was in the, in the 90s here, so it was uh, pretty beefy. Hey, I know you got some announcements about what's happening around, and especially with the Irrigation Association. You want to... Tell our uh, listeners what's going on with them. Yeah, let's do a quick one on that. So uh, today is uh, June 1st, as everybody knows, and this is the starting date for the Irrigation Association Changing the Landscape Award. So it's run by uh, the IA's Irrigation and Lighting Magazine. Um, it's through this program, any essentially all in any landscape irrigation lighting contractor can submit a project they've done from the past year for a chance for that project to be showcased. I mean, in-depth photos, pictures, a description, a write-up about it in both the print issue and online of Irrigation and Lighting Magazine. But they have to apply by July 1st, which is a month from now. June 1st today, July 1st is the deadline. So you have to apply by then to be considered. If you want to know a little bit more about it, go to irrigationandlighting.org. You can learn all about it and apply there. Great. I think, you know, anybody who's in the landscaping contracting business, that's a good thing for you to check out, even if you're not a member of the Irrigation Association um, that would like you to be. But that's your choice. But there's lots of education opportunities where you get credits and things of that sort and uh, really can help you boost your, your income uh, by the technology that you learn about and get certified for. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, are, you know, are mow and blow people, and there's nothing wrong with that. They serve a, a big need for that. But if you... Can, can offer some water smarts to people on how they can improve their irrigation system and save money every single month by their water bill and use smart uh, watering techniques. Uh, that will help you get more jobs than you can believe, and uh, your customers will be really happy that they're saving money and they also have a beautiful landscape. So uh, go to irrigation.org and take a listen uh, and, and talk to what they uh, say. And uh, we have a bunch of videos that you can learn about, and you can buy educational materials, training materials, all kinds of things about landscape business and lighting. So it's a good good way to go. I want to bring in the uh, the infamous person who runs and is the owner, writer, does everything. She's the big boss. And her name is Chris Austin, and she's a purveyor of no, uh, Maven's Notebook. So, Chris, welcome to the Water Zone Show. Hey, everybody. How you doing? We're all right. You must be the chief cook and bottle washer of Maven. Notebook. That's what Rob was <laughs> yeah, you know there was there was a, there was a guy I don't remember his name. He used to do on the police stories uh, dramas on TV, and they saw him at the end of the, at the end of the show where they do the credits. You see this guy typing on a typewriter and then tearing the paper out, and throwing it in the air. That's kind of what 
but uh, Chris Austin does. She's busy <laughs> writing, write, writing all. I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but uh, I keep every time I see something like that, one of the old shows, it just reminds me of her because she's diligently. I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you even sleep at night with all the information that you put out every day. But it's it's an awesome uh, awesome thing that you do. So again, welcome. So give us some insight to what uh, what's been happening in California this week with water. Well, the, the big perfuffle is, I think, uh, look at everyone's kind of looking at the state legislature. And, uh, we've had some bills uh, going through the legislature that uh, can kind of change water rights, the water rights system a little bit, and it's causing, you know, great consternation among folks. Um, most of these, there's three bills in particular and these, what these bills would do is they would actually strengthen the authority of the state water board, uh, which right now has, uh, I think over the years, politically, when uh, politicians didn't like something that the water board was doing, well, they had, uh, <laughs> they passed legislation that, you know, removed authority at times um they they had a you know they there was definitely i think a history of uh not wanting the state water board to be very strong so there's some things that they can't do um one of these bills would be um would give the state board the power doesn't have it now so if if the state water board goes out and they do an investigation and they find that somebody is illegally diverting water, uh, they they cannot issue an injunction to stop uh, diverting water. Uh, the penalties are very small for doing so um, if you're diverting without, you if you're illegally diverting. Um, but uh, the main thing is that the state water board has to go back and and if they if they know you're illegally di diverting water the way it is now they have to go back they have to notice a public hearing hold a public hearing in in 30 60 days um, you know then render a decision after that um, and so this can result in people illegally diverting water for a long time, even after they've been identified as diverting water. Uh, the state water board does not have authority to uh, issue an injunction. So this would, one of the bills that seems to have some traction would give them the power to do so and would also raise the penalties to uh, up to a larger amount to get their attention because we had some issues this year where uh, some ranchers were, uh, they defied a, a state board order and they did divert water. And, uh, and so the water board couldn't make them stop, but they could charge them. So the amount that they got charged for illegally diverting water for, I think they did it for about two weeks, was like hardly... Uh, it was negligible, like a couple hundred dollars. So this bill would would also raise the penalty. Um, there's another, you know, there's another situation where, like, if uh, 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 there there are other 
we have uh, some other water rights in the system that the state water board doesn't have any control of. Um, you know, from the late 1800s to the early 1900s, we had a lot of mining operations going on, and they appropriated a lot of water from the streams. And basically, all you had to do at that point in time was nail a notice up next to the stream where you were going to divert and declare that you were going to divert water, and you could just start taking it. So there are a lot of um, water rights that were formed in that period of time uh, that there aren't a lot of records on. So in 1914, uh, the legislature created the, the what is the precursor to the state water board. I don't remember what it was called at the time, uh, but they created an agency to, uh, to deal with this. And without, they didn't really know what to do with all these water rights that were already existing. So they just said, okay, you have no authority over anyone's existing water rights, but from 1914 on, you do. And so they set up a whole licensing and permitting system that applies to everything post-1914. You'll, you'll hear this when we talk about water rights, pre-14 and post-14. They're referring to this date when they started the, the precursor to the water board began. So the water board has no authority over any rights that are these pre-1914 rights, which tend to be uh, most of the uh, rights in the Delta and also, you know, a lot of significant water rights along the river. So that also means that when it comes time in times of drought to curtail, um, do they have any authority over these pre-1914 rights? Um, there's been some litigation about that because we have had some very tight water times where we had to uh, curtail those very old water rights. But, and there's a lot of um, uh, let, let, litigation over that. Um, so... You know, so there's these bills are also trying to give them the ability to curtail the pre-1914 rights and also to investigate and confirm that these rights exist because the state water board cannot uh, by itself investigate uh, and confirm any of these pre-1914 rights. Uh, if they can, if uh, a water user petitions and, you know, uh, says, I'm going to contest this water right, then the state water board can go in and investigate, but they cannot do so on their own. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, these these are three bills, um, and, you know, we'll see. There's a, a lot of, um, you know, there there's people for them, and there's a lot of people against them. What do they do about the illegal diversion and taking of water for this illegal cannabis farms that are cropping up all over California? Well, they they've been cropping up. They've been around for a long time. The big hope was if we legalized it, that they would stop. But that doesn't seem to be the case now, does it? Is there there any attempt to go close them down? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, And they the 
I I don't know what the situation. I'm, I'm going to assume that not much has changed because I haven't seen any legislation go through. But a, a, a lot of it, a lot of this comes down to dollars. Um, you know, we go in. Uh, the fish and wildlife folks go in. They find a place uh, that's operating. They shut it down. Um, they uh, arrest whoever they find there, and they try to take some of the stuff away, but they don't really have the the manpower, the funding for the manpower to clean these places up. They take some of the stuff away, but then they're, they're gone for about a week, and then the people come back, and they set it right back up, and they go right back to work again. Can't, can't the National Guard go in and burn it all down or bring tractors in and just crunch them to death with that? They're generally super remote places, super remote places that, I mean, it would be hard to get a bulldozer in there. Um, From what I've read previously, I I hear that, I mean, there's tons of acre feet of water that is going to these places and nobody's controlling it except the hotel. Yeah, and it's it's hard. There's, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of acres of forested land we have. Um, it's my understanding that a lot of these are up here in Northern California, which is less uh, less populated and not as well resourced, I think, for a lot of things up here. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's you know, it's definitely a problem. And you know they they suck water out of streams and run their little their little <clears throat> piping you know to wherever it is and then people come in and they take stuff out uh, you know but they just go back in and and do it again so wow it's amazing so I was I was reading in your thing about this the the, the house had pushed through a bill uh, to the Bauer I'm trying to remember the last gentleman's name. Uh, Bauer Cahan. Uh, yeah, which is like the that's water the water rights. Yeah, that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So that's on its way. It's got to go to the Senate now for approval. Yeah, yeah, that one is. Uh, you know, that one has been passed, and um, you know, and on its way. The the other one that passed was the ability for the state water board to. Um, Oh, actually, all all three of those that I discussed are are moving on to the state assembly. Oh, well, one one was passed in the Senate and is moving to the to the assembly to be approved. So, yeah. So, a strange thing I, I heard is that well, it's not strange, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, it was it was in one of your articles about the LA DWP. They put in a brand a company called Flume. They make a water meter sensor that hooks directly onto the uh, the water coming into your home and it can detect leaks and the consumer the resident can actually go online and see where there's leaks it does like a signature analysis to tell you if it's in the bathroom toilet or it's in the sinks or it's outside or whatever and and they gave several hundred away in los angeles and, and then i hear that there's lots of cities are looking to do that to give customers immediate instant feedback of, of water that's happening right now. And the article, the article had reference to two residents, and they both say that it saves them money, and it gives them, you know, a real thing. Like I always talk about when you get gas, you're pumping, you can see exactly how much you're using, but typically your water bill, you don't know what you did until the end of the month. 
but I think this is a, this is a good idea. Uh, I don't know if they're going to help. Com- I, I mean, it's a commercialized product, but I think if water agencies grab onto this, this could be a big spread around the country for this device. Yeah, you know, the more information you can put in folks' hands, the better off, uh, you know, really they are. When you know, the governor says cut your water use 20%. Well, how much is that? Yeah. Um, you know, how what what do I do to cut my water use 20%, you know, if I take a shower every other day, does that do it? I mean, you just don't know. So, the ability to be aware of you know, how much water you're using for things and putting that data in the hands of people, I mean, that that can only be helpful. Oh, absolutely. Mr. Davey, I don't want to take any time away from you. Good joy, join in and uh, throw some questions out that you have. Uh, all right. Rob, yeah, no, no no problem. You seem like you're on a roll there, buddy. So, you know, just <laughs> didn't want to stop you. No, um, please feel free. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're not sitting next to me to hit me like you usually do, so just go ahead. No, <laughs> Too no, far away from you to swim. Or, or make a funny gesture at you, which is, uh, yes, you do. Which is another thing. Yeah, you are hilarious. <laughs> so you are hilarious. You make me laugh all the time in the studio. And I won't tell the stories because they're, they're funny, but it's all yours. You. Go ahead. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Chris, I mean, you know, talking about that kerfuffle, you know, as you, as you called it, I mean, that was great. I, I liked it. I enjoyed hearing a little bit of insight about that. And by the way, the last time I had a kerfuffle, I think it was in the 1970s, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, Chris, I hear, you know, a couple of things I read, of course. I'm totally interested in in uh, Maven's Notebook because there's just some, so much great stuff on there. But one of them was, um, you know, predicting the return of the El Nino um, this, this coming year. So kind of interested in that, but in relationship to that, all the couple of articles, or three or four, I don't know how many were on Maven's notebook last week about about how the snow melt, how so much snow and so much warm weather and how the melt is affecting river operations. I mean, everything from safety to whitewater rafting to fishing to, um, you know, filling the lakes and all that kind of stuff. I read, I don't know where I read somewhere, but with the flow coming out of just one of the uh, the rivers up there, they could fill an empty Millerton Lake like six times. It was crazy to read that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was just a little story, but, like, man, that was a jaw-dropper. No, they said that um, uh, they could, the snow that's up above uh, Friant Reservoir could, uh, they could could drain, it would fill Millerton Lake six times over. This is the thing. Millerton, uh, Friant Dam is kind of small. Um, and it's, you know, small for the size of the watershed that flows into it. Um, and so, uh, they, they actually said that, uh, there's a chance that so much water might come down if it gets hot, the water will go over the top of the dam, which is, they said has happened once before, but, oh, that is, when the water goes over tops your dam, that is bad news. <laughs> that is bad news. Uh, so I was really surprised, and they were just kind of like, yeah, Mike, come over to the top of the dam. Okay, end of story. Yeah, I think I sensed it the same way. It was sort of like, you know, nonchalant for them, uh, talking about them, going, are you, are you kidding, right? And then you've, yeah. got, you've got everybody, of course, on this race, on this effort to, to get some water moved 
so that they can percolate underground and 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 uh, fill fill the aquifers. So that that's also part of the scheme as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and they're trying to do that in the Central Valley. Another interesting story story that was out there was um, uh, uh, Westland's water district apparently is not sinking a lot of water into the ground, and I couldn't really determine exactly why they weren't, but they seem to, but according to the people at Westland's, they seem to be happy with what they had put in, but it was only like 3,300 acre feet or something, kind of small. Uh, but I know that there's great interest. Everybody saw the writing on the wall with groundwater management. And so, you know, getting the water into the aquifers has been like mission critical for a lot of people. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Um, and it's still gonna, you know, it's, We've been lucky because it hasn't gotten real hot, and so the snow is melting slower than than we anticipated. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, been a remarkable year. Well, one comment real quick on the on the impending or predicted El Nino for last year, and just so our our listeners know, the, there's an El Nino which is typically uh, thought of as a wet year, and then a La Nina, which is considered a dry year. And by the way, with all the rain that the West has had last year, it was a dry year, and now a La Nina year. So, you know, who knows what, you know, this is football stuff, Chris. It, it really is. Um, you know, we do know some things about El Nino. Um, we know what what's likely, you know, what could happen. But it doesn't mean it always happens. And I, I the last time, uh, it was a few years ago, I saw a chart put up by uh, Dr. Lund on an El Nino year and the precipitation. And it was one of those charts that shows what the you know precipitation was for each El Nino year. And you could just see it was all over the map. It was like there was no, nothing was consistent. Um, which is just kind of like, um, you know, California's uh, precipitation. It's it's all over the board. It's highly variable. We never know what we're going to get. Who would have thought we would have got what we got this year? Nobody. Nobody saw it coming. Oh. No, exactly. I was just watching the map, though, and, the you know, of course, the El Nino is characterized by a warming surface temperature warming in the um, – in the eastern Pacific, right? And it's starting right. to warm considerably already when you look at the color density map. So, well, we'll see what happens, Chris. Yeah, Maybe actually, uh, Daniel Swain, this uh, meteorologist that follows California weather, he was quite surprised at how fast the ocean warmed up after La Nina. There was a you know, number of people going, whoa, <laughs> and that was quick. Um, well, I think, I think I'm going to start manufacturing a... Uh, swirl around dartboard and people can just throw the darts and see what you think is going to happen anyway chris we're going to be coming up to our commercial break and we do appreciate you coming on every single week for our listeners out there please go to mavensnotebook.com become a subscriber become a uh, sponsor get information every single day like uh, chris davy and i do and it's it's a great place to, to know before your neighbors know what's going on because she she puts out these things that uh even the newspaper's got to catch up with her. I think they read her articles and then they copy. <laughs> so, Chris, we appreciate that. We'll, we'll see you or hear you next week. 
thank you for joining in and give us a good insight of what's uh, what's really happening. All right. Good evening, everyone. Have a good great evening. week, Chris. You too. Right. We're going to take a little break uh, for our commercials, and we'll be right back with our featured guest. It'll be a really interesting conversation with a gentleman from Irrigation Consultants and uh, give you some good feedback. So stick around. We'll be right back. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623-594-8689. This is KCAA. All right, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone, and we have a gentleman that's coming on. And uh, we did a recording of that, and I'm going to let let Dave roll so you can hear this. Good. This is a creme de la creme person who does irrigation design and consulting, one of the best in the country. So uh, let's hear what that happened. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone radio show. Uh, our guest right now is Dave Langendorf. He's the principal of ISC Consulting. Welcome to the Water Zone, Dave. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Good Chris. to have you. The first question we generally ask our guests is, um, so what got you into this business in the first place? Many moons ago when you were uh, you know, young and naive. And Yeah. 
1990 um, entry-level drafting position with my newly acquired CAD operator skills and uh, enjoyed the mechanical drafting, always did, and got an opportunity to work with John Blevins at started ISC Group, and um, the rest is kind of history. I found an opportunity to where my drafting skills allowed me to actually create a career that I was thinking in other ways, other opportunities to draft, you were going to just stay as a drafter, but the fact that we could grow in this industry and, and create the designs and, and move forward that way was appealing. And it seems to me like over the 30 plus years I've been doing it, people come in the industry and they, they never leave. And it's a, quite, a, quite a group of friendship, quite a bunch of friends we, we build here. And, it's just a, a great place to be in the green industry on the irrigation side. Captivating industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so, so what, how, how does the ASIC fit into your, your, your business? ASIC, for me, is a way to um, collaborate with other consultants in a way that, for me, with my small outfit, I don't have an ability to really... Um, bounce ideas within my office because at yeah. the moment I'm a, I'm a solo consultant. It's ISC group, but it's a group of one presently. I have my, my son actually, Wyatt, is drafting for me right cool. now. Um, so it's a way to, to share ideas and I can pick up a phone and call a consultant or bounce ideas that yeah. way. But most, of the, <clears throat> most of the ASIC membership is generally usually sole proprietors anyway right there's a f couple of big groups in there but uh, there's a few folks th that'll work for a bigger group yeah. like a whole engineer firm with an irrigation <clears throat> branch or working under a la larger landscape architect with the irrigation person but for the most part we're two and five group two and yeah. five person groups and yeah. just, just doing our thing yeah yeah what are you enjoying most about the uh, conference this week um, I, you know for me, and especially on the backside of our COVID experience, I'm just having a blast just getting together and seeing all my friends, basically. it's a, And I kind of did a toast at the board meeting, and my word was friendship. And then the other night at a dinner, friendship was the word. So I think that that's a big piece, and it's yeah. just really great to be, be together. Yeah, you do get, uh, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie in this group, that's for mm -hmm. sure. It's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe small, and, you know, conference-wise, this isn't, you know, a giant thing going mm -hmm. on here, but there's a, there's a lot of camaraderie, there's a lot of cooperation. Mm -hmm. All the other guests we've, we've had while we've been here have said the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, you've told us a little bit about ISC uh, group and, and your background. What's, what's the sort of range of work that you do? I mean, you do everything um, residential, up to commercial, up to sports fields, that kind of pretty stuff? Pretty much we've always said at ISC Group, um, we do everything but ag and golf. Okay. So everything, you know, not doing so much of the production homes these days. Like we did a big push in like the 90s with a lot of that. But uh, I do a lot of cor uh, corporate campuses in the Silicon Valley and um, like green roofs, green wall buildings. I get to do a lot of fun projects. Um, right now, since I've relocated from the Bay Area down to Ventura County, I've been doing more of a push. I'd really like to be moving more into evaluating and getting existing users working more efficiently as opposed to doing more of continuing with the new construction and putting more 
more taps in the in our dwindling supplies, get those existing users operating more efficiently, see where they're at. If they've got technology they're not taking care of or utilizing, helping them or facilitating that, getting them to use their technology or see what we could do to bolt on some technology for them and, and get those efficiencies up. And be the one, you know, to let the owners, property managers know what they should be asking of their landscape maintenance people. What do you see as the biggest hurdles when you're dealing with clients or people who, you know, they, they, they say they want to have water and use it more efficiently and because it's the thing to do. And, uh, so, so, you know, some people believe right. that, some people don't. But, but you know, it's, it's like I, I know from our end as a manufacturer, we get calls like from home builders and they say, hey, you know, we, our the contractor put in your stuff and our lawns dry over here and it's soaking wood over there and you go and find out they put the spray heads and, and, and the rotors on the same valve mm -hmm. and things like that. But Or, or they change change the product that you spec and put something else and then they come back and they have the, what they call, at least I call it, as-built plans mm -hmm. and get somebody else to stamp it off and, and right. do it. So. What, what do you see as the hurdles or things? Because you put your name on a document, and, and that means something. <laughs> well, it does, and, and I'm proud to do that. Um, fortunately, in California, there's a lot more um, enforcement right now. With the We've got our MWILO, of course, yeah. and the, uh, the auditing process on new construction is being more enforced. So there's, there's not a lot of room for people to, to vary much from what's been specified agreed upon and because it's going to be checked upon installation so that part of it I don't find as much of a challenge um, but when I am working with a owner sometimes the uh, the challenges can be like getting the adoption of some of the mm -hmm. the newer technologies and if I'm working in the some of the corporate campus things there's there's They've got, like we spoke about in the, in the presentation, well, in the presentation yesterday about some of the security measures and stuff like that. So it's sometimes there's a, when I spoke earlier about the, the disconnect between the management of it and the, the, the products we have, I think that they can, it can be challenging for the, the man, landscape management people to access the controllers sometimes on some of those campuses where we've got them inside and maybe they're not allowed to, to remote into them as, as often as they like. Yeah, certainly conservation is the big buzzword now, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in California with all the EPA water sense and pressure regulated spray heads mm -hmm. and soil sensors and smart controllers and all that stuff. Does How's that affected your business? Um, it's been interesting and I've got a few jobs right now where I'm kind of doing the lead on installation and that's a little newer for me as opposed to just working under the landscape architects. I got a couple fun projects there and honestly with you just said the pressure regulation we I've got a project where we're just gravity feeding. They've got a tank up the hill and 80% of the zones we're just going to feed by gravity. We couldn't buy just shrub adapters now because they're off be pressure regulated. Yes. So there was a challenge the other day, like what are we gonna do about that? So we ended up doing a little uh, engineering to, uh -huh. the, to the pressure regulated uh, shrub risers just so that we could yes. operate where we needed to be. Yeah. So that was, that was a unique situation that 
the standards, which are lovely to have, and I really appreciate. There's just so much overpressurized misting and everything. Yes. We see it every day. Um, but in that case, we didn't want regulation, so that was a that was a unique little yeah, situation. Function. There's places in the country, especially low-lying areas, Florida, for example, where you're lucky to get 30 psi, right? A little mm -hmm. over anything mm -hmm. else. So what do they do when they adopt these? Well, they get. Uh, Different springs in them. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so the best intentions and then special sure. conditions, you know. So we could we could get sure. the ad adapters if we went maybe on Amazon or something and bought them out of state. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you can do that. Mm -hmm. How? What's so? Tell us more about this. The gap that you were mentioning, right? The the gap between management and <coughs> is that is that is that uh, manufacturer related as well? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm speaking to those mid-sized projects. When I do a big campus, they've got great yeah. water management. Yeah. And I'm speaking to those, you know, those 20 mm -hmm. to 40 zone um, mid-range uh, yeah. mid size projects that are maybe um, just being managed by you know, I don't really appreciate the mow and blow term right, that right. much. It's a little demeaning, but the the guys that are there to take care of the landscape, they're not irrigation professionals, and that's the gap when we're when we're providing these systems. I come to do an evaluation or a review, installation review. I have not once walked onto a site that has a flow sensor master valve installed with it installed. I've not walked on one site that it's actually being utilized and operated. You just 10 minutes is only. You walk up to a controller and they're like, let me guess, property manager, your landscapers come on Wednesday. Well, how did you know? Because this thing irrigates the other six days of the week. And that's the stuff that I find. And, and that's, that's the gap yeah. where if we could really fill that knowledge gap of what we're really trying to do utilize these tools and and really get into that conservation mode as a mindset versus wetter is better yeah because that's not the way to go yeah. even go back for the Amwillow uh, <clears throat> thing um, one of the gripes I have about that um, I think it's a I think it's a good idea and a good thing they're mm -hmm. doing it but I worry about so they build a home it's like the residence home or it could be commercial but this doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And they put everything in and they're going to use the pressure regulated this and that and they're in smart controllers and then it gets audited and it meets meets the plans. Great. Mm -hmm. A year, two years down the road it's not the same because most, I'm sure you know, most of the most residential people, if they, if they, if they manage your own property that's one thing. If they hire, I'll use your term, the mow and blow guy, they don't really check for the if the heads are tilted. If it's are they below grade? Is it is it you know is it clogged? Uh, did somebody change the controller? And so over time, maintenance maintenance is important. It's just like a car. They, 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 people have to understand that you 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 have you have schedules of what maintenance that you have to do on your car. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing for an irrigation system. The, the terms from back in 2012 when they started with the smart controllers, you know, set it and forget it. Well. That sounds nice. It's a great gimmick, but that's no such not, thing. there's no such those thing. No such thing. And, and so, to me, there's no follow-up. If somebody's going to sell their property down the road and it hasn't been maintained, you know, you, you get a house inspector to come in and they do that, but do they really 
do a, a, water, a water audit? No. No. And, and, and then it all goes to hell. <laughs> right. The erosion of that original design intent is a reality. I mean, even at my own house, I have a gardener sure. that comes and I put in some rotating nozzles on all my lawns. Um, Takes my up, puts my answer. And <laughs> I walk by, I'm like, what's up with that? And there was a NPR on there. Just a fixed spray yeah. 15 yeah. that they must have whacked it with the yeah. trimmer and they just pull that out of their pocket and they put it on and there. So even the it, on my own driveway, like that happens. And then, yeah. of course, that's not match precipitation rate anymore. Yeah. And no. the erosion just, just moves through there like that. Well, for um, guys that do that kind of work, even, even the big outfits, you know they don't. They can't carry every single mm-hmm. part on, on 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 the road, right? They carry stuff to replace valves and a couple of things like that. But they carry a lot of uh, variable arc nozzles, and mm-hmm. I find that that well, gee, it's I got to be this. It's a fifteen. Ah, I'll just stick this on and adjust mm-hmm. it. And then, as you said, the precip brake goes out of whack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy because it's a yeah. whole lot worse. So how do you how do you feel about how do you feel about um, contractor licensing? Yeah, like uh, Texas like Texas does? Well, I'm not sure exactly how Texas is operating. I'm, I'm pretty pretty focused in California. I think any licensing or certification is a step in the right direction. Yeah, we've seen like the big firms, the Gothics and the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, guys like that requiring now some sort of a certification if you want to work there, they'll even send you to yeah. uh, a class to get you know some sort of mm-hmm. certificate. Um, but uh, do, you, do, you, do you see that coming in California? Would you like to see it in California? I think I'd like to see it. I do a lot of times, especially when I'm specifying a two-wire, I'm asking yeah. on my plans yeah. for a manufacturer certification for sure, just so the yeah. installer's up to speed with what they're going to be doing with the product. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that certification of the landscape professionals in all capacities is a good thing. Ensure some sort of at least basic education and basic knowledge, mm-hmm. right? To, you mm-hmm. know, to, you know, the, the well, once a week guy can't come in, you generally can't do stuff like wire tracking, can't mm-hmm. do you know, high-end yeah, stuff like that. In Texas, are they mm-hmm. having a license for the gardeners? No, like for, that, an irrig- yeah, for, for an irrigator. Irrigation design yeah. or irrigation installation? Yes. Type, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I, I find that that's something, and you mentioned with the certification, I, I don't know what it is today. I know when I started in this ind- industry, I happened to see some of those, quote, certification things that a manufacturer put out, and they were really nothing. I mean, it was not real technical. Now, I'm, I'm a little weird. Uh, <laughs> he'll tell you that. I'm an engineer, <laughs> so my degrees are electronics and physics, so I want to see... I want to see real questions and real things that these people mm-hmm. know. And some of the, some of them, and I won't mention the company, the one the one that I know of that was the worst. Uh, any any eighth grader could have mm. put the answer in, and, okay. and that was it. it. Was you know they give you multiple questions and then multiple answers, and you can just guess at them. And they were so easy. Any I'm serious. Anybody could have done it. Mm. Yet that they said I got a certificate because this is what they said. I, I find that useless to me. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, I did a certification process earlier on when central yeah. irrigation was becoming a thing, and yeah, that was a full day type of a deal with a big three ring binder, and that mm-hmm. was far exceeding what you're just describing. Yeah. Oh, the so, big the big know. companies like CalSense and Toro <laughs> and Raymer. I mean, they they do the right thing, but there's smaller companies that just put out a piece of paper and mm. say, here's your certificate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's your plaque now. Go home. Yeah. Listen, did the COVID 
we're post-COVID now, but back in COVID, how'd that affect your business? Did you? Holy moly, it, did you? <laughs> it kind of was a like a kind of a whammy on me because I had relocated to Ventura County from Livermore, California, where we had worked for, for decades. Um, February 29th and what it was March the 7th or so the world shut down so all of my ideas of walking into landscape architecture firms and drumming up some new clients in my immediate new area fizzled out (laughs) and honestly I left all of my catalogs or recycled all my catalogs and everything I had a really big library and I'm like no worries I'll put the feelers out I'll get all my manufacturer reps to swing by drop me a catalog I still haven't had but five people walk in my office because now everybody's working at home and everything. So in that capacity, it was challenging. I got some cold call emails out to try to get some clients, and I landed on a couple uh, pretty pretty good clients that have some fun projects. But, yeah, it was a a thing that really I'm not sure that I would say I'm past yet. Yeah, that's fair. How, How easy is it for you? to learn about all these new things that are on the market that, that can help you help your clients. I, I, I'm sure manufacturers are good, or, or are they not good, contacting you and giving you ideas and showing you demos. And I mean, is that, that has to be part of your learning process every day. That, that's the main way that we stay up on the new products. And we have a lovely opportunity at the conference this, yeah. these last couple of days to be at the tabletops with all of our sponsors and all the manufacturers representation that we get to have here. Um, They bring their new wares and and we get to bounce on the table. So we can get our touch points like at this because we don't have a lot of time with everybody, but then we definitely can have follow-ups. I think the manufacturers do a really good job at that. Um, But like I said, it has slowed down through COVID in a way that I don't think we're through yet. Um, I'm looking forward to setting up some some dates to get some lunch and learns or whatever that looks like at, on the, in the coming weeks after this. I've already got a couple set up to walk me through your stuff. But Well, this is going to be a weird question. So say that <laughs> Governor Newsom calls us on the phone and says, hey, you know what? We need to get a czar of water. And they appoint you as the czar of water. <laughs> what is the top three things that you would think needs to be addressed in water in California? That's where you're from. The top three things that need to be addressed. All right. Um, I like to speak to awareness a lot, and there's a lot of misguided concepts and blame, and I don't think there's enough of an understanding of the, the difficulties that the water managers for the state really have. Um, a lot of the decisions are made based on Corps of Engineers, data, when it, like draining the dams, quit wasting our water, letting it go out to this. Like we're moving away from that now. Those models from the Corps of Engineers were developed, I believe, in the 50s. We have way better weather um, modeling and such now, so we can we should be able to move forward and adjust mm-hmm. the way we're reacting to that. So that would be a big thing. I think the conversation um, to bring up that if we could all start thinking that we're always in a drought in California yeah. and really change the way that we're approaching water. It's, it's, it is a right, let's say, but it's not a right that you get to like waste it in a way that you deserve as much as you should have. Yeah. Um, 
we've got some full reservoirs right now, and that's a beautiful thing. And we got a big snowpack that's actually a little concerning, you know. <laughs> I feel like floods, with, 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 right? Um, but the conversation is, I because I do my research too, and reading the articles and whatnot. The conversation is now actually surfacing a little more. I've been saying it for a while: is we can't forget how much water is actually being pulled out of the aquifers. Yeah, that nobody's really watching that. Like we're in a deficit all the time. We're never we're not recharging those aquifers nearly as fast as we're pumping out of yeah. them. And I think that that's a conversation, a reality that isn't a, that on the top of everybody's awareness. And with that little bit more understanding of that reality, I think that there's a conversation about we need more reservoirs. We've got all the reservoirs we could ever want yeah, right. if we could start yeah. just putting the water back in there. When they start seeing the, the subsidence of the dirt, then they'll realize yeah. Right, like the Tulare Basin, I think that soil surface is 10 feet lower than it was the last time it flooded. So who knows what that's all going to look yeah. like. And water finds its way to the lowest when, point when and it's filling up Tulare, uh, the when, dry bed there. When the snow releases, let's, it's uh, going to be a scary situation. So so those were the, the two. Yeah. Um, a third, I don't know if I have a third other than I do, would kind of come back to the fact that we need to let the water go to the ocean. It's part of the ecosystem, right? I spent a lot of time on the California Delta, just lived right there and, you know, they have to put wing dams in now mm -hmm. to keep the salt water from intruding. intruding. Right, so we need that water to flush out. Yeah. So in the reality, when you drive down five and it's quit wasting our damn water and, and these kind of ideas, they're a little misguided and they're only focusing on one aspect. And if you look at the, the ecology side of it, like we've been so dry the last few years, they've even shut down the, the commercial salmon fishing yeah. this season because in my opinion, the salmon haven't had enough water flowing. They don't know how to go home. There hasn't been enough water. Well, they will probably recover with this year and stuff, so I'm not worried about that part of it. But there's a the some of the ideas are yeah. pretty myopic, and people people yeah. look at them from one angle, and it's there's a really, really big picture to try yeah, to understand. Agree. We've had many guests on that have said, you know, the drought is the is the drought. It's always the drought. It should become it should become the social conscience and constant and mm -hmm. status quo, yeah, not absolutely. something that uh, you know that we dread, right? So. Mm -hmm. But we have a drought all the time, we celebrate when it rains instead of, you know, it should be raining and now we're going to dread because there's no water. Right. We can go back to watering the way we used to now because yeah. we've got full reservoirs. I did have a couple conversations and it was pretty lovely because on the front of our, we were down to one day a week watering all summer, last summer. Um, and the reality on the other side of it through a couple conversations I was lucky enough to have was... I was afraid I was going to lose all my trees. I was afraid I was going to lose all my shrubs. Of course, everybody lost their lawns. Yes. Well, the people that played along and yes. watered once a week lost their lawns. But there's no dead trees and there's no dead shrubs. And there's a, re a reality check of I was overwatering tremendously and I didn't realize it because yeah. I didn't lose nearly as much as I thought I did. So I'm going to water less again and so I think that that was a really big takeaway and I so people are getting there yeah. 
And I think that well, that one day a week watering helps. They still got to learn the true value of water. I mean, this country is, well, is, is okay. a lot freer around how you t- turn the spigot on and not worry about it, where places like Israel and Dubai and mm-hmm. Australia and all these other places. And we do we can do pipelines for oil from Alaska to the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Oh, don't get him on that on the right. On the but water, we won't do a pipeline water. for water because <laughs> yeah. there's not enough value yeah, placed right. on it. Right. Right. All right. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, talk to ISC. Yeah. How can they do that? Uh, Dave at isc-groupinc.com or 925-858-3673 is my line. And I'm, I'm here to like conserve as much water as we can. That's what I, I, I'm here to do. I believe I've got that passion enough piece that I want to really get out there. And, you know, if you want to save some water, I'm your guy. All right. Appreciate that. Dave Langendorf, ISC. All right. Thanks for coming Thanks, on the show. Chris. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Right. Well, he was awesome, Chris. Uh, no doubt. And uh, remember that uh, interview quite precisely while we were at the ASA conference in Scottsdale, Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's got a great practice up there. And, you know, lots, lots more we could have talked about. Um, I mean, just a ton more we could have talked about with Dave regarding what he's done in the past and what he does uh, with his organization and, and the things that his organization is recognized for, um, just events and awards and things like that. I mean, just a just a great guy. Well, absolutely. Uh, who we got for next week? You have a surprise coming up, uh, a guy who does, uh, you know, well, well, let me say this before that. I like to have smart people on who put their brain to a pencil and put it down on paper, and I like to hear from the guys who take the shovel and stick it into the dirt. That's what we try to bring to the show so people can get the best of the best knowledge possible. So we have one of these guys coming on next week, I understand. <laughs> yeah, we do. So so I don't know if you know Justin Richards, but he's all, you know, AKA Sprinkler dude, right? Very yep. active on social media. He's on just about every platform there is. He posts regularly, consistently. The guy's getting a great uh, following. Obviously, the guy knows he's uh, you know, got, has got his uh, ducks in a row and he knows his stuff. Uh, just be great conversation with him. He'll be live. He's coming on live. So really looking forward to that. To that, And we've got some great questions and discussion points to, to throw at the Sprinkler dude next uh, Thursday night. So guys, tune in for sure. You got it. Well, coming to the end of our show where NBC takes over and goes and does their worldwide news. So we got to say goodbye to everybody. But the most important thing that Chris and I want to tell you all is to help keep help our planet our blue. Because if you like green, you can't do it without blue. So good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. And we'll be back next week with the more, more water KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5.